when we took our idea for the back home TV show to uh, Scripps Interactive Channel 9 that we were working with here locally in Cincinnati, uh, one of the guys that me and Jim Amatoli, the producer and director of the show, uh, who's my partner, uh, we were sitting around a meeting and one of the guys said, hey, why don't you help veterans? And me and Jim just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that's a great idea. This is episode 101 with Don Riley. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Once again, my name is Dave Brown, and I'm here with my partner and co-host, Barbara Allen. And each week, we bring you an inspiring story or interview from an exceptional American who is giving back both in business and in everyday life. And I encourage you to use these stories and their lessons and insight as inspiration so you can continue to define, build, and live your own American dream. And our guests prove that it's possible that with focus, grit, determination, and never settling for easy, that you too can live any life you choose. And it's a good thing Don Riley doesn't settle for easy either. Whether in his personal or professional life, Don rarely lets fear or complacency stand in the way of pursuing something that his gut tells him is a good idea. He has faith that overpowers all of his fears, and that faith has led him to where he is today. Don is a father of four, an entrepreneur, an actor, and a co-founder of the brand new nonprofit Back Home Patriots. So listen in as Don shares his story of heartbreaking family moments that led to immense blessings and a hard-earned professional success that led him to recognize and meet a need felt by many veterans in his community. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen and Don Riley. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. I have a great pleasure today of sitting down with a new friend of mine, Don Riley. We got to meet him at an event run by Tim Clun, TK. You may remember him from a previous interview we did. We're going to link back to his story just for kicks. But Don is someone that we... He was representative of people we love, love, love to meet because there's so much you can do in your life, in other people's lives. He thinks outside the box. He goes where his passion takes him and he just makes it all fit. And now he and his partner, Jim, have just started just brand new nonprofit is official back home patriots to support veterans and help them with home renovations and repairs when they cannot otherwise afford it. It is a much needed and huge void in the world of veterans. And I feel like it is certainly the least we can do to help people who have given so much for our country to see other people stepping in to fill that void is uh, super empowering to me and positive and hopeful. We love seeing it. We're excited to share the story, offer them support and see what we can do to help spread the word of Back Home Patriots. In between there, he's got a very heartwarming personal story I am excited and honored to share with you. I know you're going to love it. It's got a little bit of something for everyone. Sit back, tuck in, and get ready as Don Riley takes over on American Snippets and shares the story. Good morning, Don. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. It is not, I feel like I'm saying this all the time because it is. I'm like, it's another gloomy day in New York. I don't know. We're having like some... (laughs) like ridiculous version of summer this year, but I don't know how it is out there. You're in Ohio, correct? 
Yeah, I'm actually in the border of Kentucky and Ohio. I live in Union, Kentucky, but I'm actually in Florence, Kentucky right now, and uh, we got a lot of rain, so uh, people are actually have swimming pools in their backyard right now. So, Yeah, I know. It is ridiculous. How is that? And that actually brings us in. We're going to talk about your you have so many different businesses going on. You want yes. to talk about entrepreneurs. This guy here, he is an entrepreneur. He just like digs in, but he doesn't do it halfway. He just goes, right? One of your entrepreneurial businesses yes. is Elegant Home Exteriors, and you've somehow, you've morphed that into this nonprofit that you're doing. So tell us first about what, what came, obviously your your professional business, Elegant Home Exteriors, came first. Yeah, um, yeah, Barb. I, I started out my career as a, as a carpenter. So in... Uh, back in the early 90s, I worked for a local company here in Cincinnati called Southern Ohio Builders. And uh, so I uh, had a very long career with those guys. And then uh, eventually I created Elegant Home Exterior. So I, I wanted to create my own model to where I could take people's home and kind of make them elegant. And and I always use the word elegant because we love. I tell my even the team, I call them the Elegant Home Exterior team because they when we go in, we take so much pride when we leave the house. We want the customer to say, man, you just made my home really nice and elegant. So uh, that's kind of how I got in the home improvement business. Uh, the back home thing, we, uh, me and Jim Amatuli created this back home uh, TV show uh, with Scripps Interactive and Channel 9, which is uh, here locally in Cincinnati. And um, we decided that we wanted to help veterans in a way that people are having helped them. And that's physical, mental, psychological, PTSD, if they have any of those situations that we could step in and kind of give them a hand up. So that's kind of how back home, uh, the TV show was created. So that's great. I love it when people say, Oh, that's how I started this. That's how I started that. I figure, I feel like those two words cover so much, right? That's how, right. But in between the, that's how, in between the two words, there is grit and sweat and startup funds and meeting people and getting the paperwork filed and that first day and payroll and all that. So, I mean, how is it to, let's talk about first, anybody who, who's looking to launch a business, like you said, that's how I got into, that's how we started Elegant Home Exteriors. It's yeah. one thing to have the idea to do something, right? And then it's another thing to turn that idea into a business. So what is the step that you took to go from that idea to creating a business? What's like one step in the, in between the words, that's how? Well, I tell, I tell people all the time, it's kind of funny you ask that question because uh, sometimes good salespeople aren't good business owners. And um, I was fortunate enough that I was a great salesperson and a good carpenter, but I was also a good business owner. Um, and it's, it's always challenging on a day-to-day basis because you're dealing with people. Uh, people have busy lives, as you know, and you're dealing with payroll and employees. So it's a very hard process. And I tell people, I have guys come to me all the time and say, hey, I want to start my own business. And I say, well, sometimes being a salesperson or a carpenter, you know, it's kind of hard to be a business owner uh, because there's so many more elements to it. You know, it's not just driving around in the truck all day and talking to people, you know, yeah. you, you got people calling you all day, you're taking phone calls, uh, you're, you're, you're meeting people on job sites, you're bidding jobs. And then also you're doing the payroll. You're making sure everybody's paid on Friday. So uh, I've been doing this for almost 11 and a half years now with Elegant Home Exterior. And that's uh, a long time in the home improvement business. Most home improvement guys don't last five years. Uh, it's kind of proven in our industry uh, because of the money, you know, the financial situation. 
situations where they get high, they don't pay the bills. So not only uh, with our suppliers and manufacturers, but also uh, built in the building side, making people's homes, uh, taking it to that next step and that next level. So, um, and I'm very proud of that. It's something I take a lot of pride in because in our industry, you hear it all the time, fly by night guys out yes, there. Yes, I've you had know, several the of them never see it. damage my home. <laughs> so, yes, take my oh, money. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And so we try to separate ourselves from those guys and we've been very successful at doing it. And uh, I take a lot of pride in that. And the one, I, people say, what's your key to success in the home improvement business? I always say good people. It always starts with good yeah. people. Uh, and I'm a very good judge of character. So when I meet a person, I can tell instantly if that's a person I want to have on my team. And uh, I think that's one of the keys to our success here at Elegant Home Exterior. So that's like a dog, like dogs can sense people or not like yeah. i don't i don't like people my dog doesn't like right <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> just, exactly. <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean i wasn't actually calling oh, you a dog i'm just oh, I'm <laughs> to me that's, that's a compliment hey, I, like I do dogs. like i do like biscuits so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go okay so in between all that and starting yeah. the business somewhere along the way you yes. identified a need for for better how did this happen because you're not a veteran correct no. No ma'am. Right. No, ma'am. So how does that happen? We we speak with a lot of people who are veterans who know firsthand the struggles and have that brotherhood and the camaraderie and come out and struggle with their transition back to civilian life and through you know one channel to another to another, they fight through it, push through it, and they start a nonprofit and they fill that void that they personally know and have experience with. But this is not something that you have personally experienced. So how how did you decide to, like, you know, what brought that to your attention first? How did you become aware of that need and connect and identify with it? Well, let's start with my childhood. Um, okay. I, was raised, I was raised by a single mother. Um, when I was 18 years old, uh, I graduated from Rowe High School in here in Northern Kentucky. And I was always fascinated by the military as a kid uh, watching war movies growing up. And I took the ASVAD when I was 18 and I passed it. And my okay. mother uh, scored very high on us. Did re- I got like a 55, which was pretty good back then. They say it's a lot harder today, but uh, but I did really well on it. And my mom wouldn't let me go. She said, I don't want to lose my son. And uh, so we we argued and the recruiter kept coming to the house from the army and saying, oh, we won't even need Don to come. And she would. What let was me. her fear? She thought that, some, that you were going to get yeah, she, in the military or, yeah, or just she, for she, deployments? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was the fact that you know, I was, she raised me and my sister and I was kind of like, you know, protecting my sister. My mom worked all the time. So she was afraid if I was gone, I think the fear of that, like her and my sister just being there alone. Yeah. So I think that fear set in and she just decided she wasn't going to let me go. And it, and that caused a little riff in the house for a while. So, okay. uh, but anyway, um, so I've always had this fascination with the military and then, um, I'd never be honest with you all these years later, I'm 45. I'd never thought about the military anymore. I really, it just kind of was out of sight, out of mind. So, uh, when we took our idea for the back home TV show to, uh, scripts interactive channel nine that we were working with here locally in Cincinnati, um, one of the guys that me and Jim Amatoli, the producer director of the show, uh, who's my partner, uh, we were sitting around a meeting and one of the guys said, Hey, why don't you help veterans? And, me and Jim just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that's a great idea, you know? So Jim's like, let me get home. I got to start writing some stuff and putting some stuff on paper. That's, you know, that's, that's the way Jim is. So he, he calls me the next day. He's like, I think this is a great idea. Um, he said, we need to have another meeting with channel nine and see where this could take us because 
we could do these home improvement projects for vets and uh, really, you know, take their life to another level and, and give them some joy and happiness that maybe they can't, you know, maybe the guy lost a leg or a limb or he has yeah. PTSD. We could take these, these certain things in their home and make them nice for them and kind of give them a hand up. And that's kind of how uh, back home was created the TV show. So, uh, and if I'm being long winded, just let me know here. This is kind of a long story here. <laughs> so, but, but so me and Jim, we met with channel nine. They loved the idea. They loved the concept. And, the nice thing about it was channel nine said, Hey, we're willing to go on this journey with you. So, uh, so we filmed back home in about four to five days. Um, we, we, we vetted uh, a bunch of veterans. Uh, we, we became friends with a gentleman named Stephen Lee. Stephen, uh, was part of the USO. Uh, he was on okay. the board of the USO and Stephen really jumped in and helped us, uh, find some veterans that we could talk to that we could kind of vet. And, uh, so we, we went and me and Jim spent two or three days just driving around, meeting these veterans, going to their house, finding out their stories. And we was really, um, uh, you know, excited that, you know, that we found two veterans that we really fit the mold for what we were looking to do. And, uh, so did you have to then tell other, the other veterans like, Hey, I'm sorry, we didn't pick you. You know, was that. I always see like the other yeah. side of it, you know, the struggle. So it's super easy to go tell two veterans, your story fits. You're amazing. Here's all these reasons that you fit. How do you then tell the other ones? Well, I let, I let Jim. Do the- <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, we actually sent them a real nice email and we told okay. them that our plan was to do 22 episodes. Okay. These were the first two episodes. So we said that we would basically come back we would circle back around, you know, if we end up shooting 22 episodes, because at that point we knew we were just going to do the, the one episode, you know, one to two episodes. And, uh, so we didn't know where it was really going to take us. So to make that kind of, that commitment, uh, and we didn't want to kind of dangle a carrot with nobody. We just said, Hey, these are the two we're picking. We appreciate your time, your effort. If we do do a bigger series, we will come back to you at that point and maybe we could use you in that bigger series and maybe we won't. So, and that's kind of where we left it. So. Okay. So the two veterans that were they from these recent conflicts? Were they, you, what is your criteria for that? Is it like, do you go back to world war two veterans or is it strictly post nine 11? No, it was basically due to their needs. Uh, you know, their struggles here in civilian life uh, and, and what, they needed for their homes at that time. So our first veteran was uh, Stephanie Kimplin. Uh, Stephanie uh, lived here locally in Cincinnati. Uh, Stephanie was one of the first female gunners in Afghanistan. So she single mom lives in uh, oh. up in Ohio, in Ohio. So she was the first one. And then our other one was Bob Snow. Um, and you're more welcome to go to backhomeent.com. You can watch our uh, Vivio links on there and, and watch some of the, the episodes that we did with those two folks. But Stephanie, her house, she just, she had PTSD and she couldn't really uh, do a lot of things around the house, you know, as a single mom and a full-time job. So we came in, we put uh, new windows, patio door in her house, uh, on the back of her house. We uh, redid her kitchen for her. So we did a lot of those things that she couldn't do, you know, and she just didn't have the time to do or couldn't get a contractor to do. So uh, we also, uh, we put a brand new AC system in for her. I went to, uh, Dave Roberts, who Dave was part of our show. We call him Cowboy Dave. He's a character within himself. So <laughs> Dave's got the big old mustache and the beard. And and Dave's just a great guy. And you can see him in our series. But him and Brad, his partner, Cowboy Heating and Air, 
they stepped in and said, Hey, Don, we really want to help this deserving veteran. They said, how can we help? So we went to Cork and Steel. Cork and Steel uh, stepped up to the plate and gave us about a twelve to thirteen thousand dollar HVAC system with a brand. Wow, new that's so cool! Yeah, so we um, we put that system in for her, put her windows and everything in, and uh, and then at the end of the show, we revealed she always wanted to have a shed uh, for her nonprofit. Now she has a nonprofit that she that's helps great. helps women uh, who uh, traff sex trafficking. And she rescues the animals. And Barb, the thing that's really cool about what I've learned through all these veterans in the two years that I've done, been through this process, and I've learned so much, and I've met so many cool people like yourself. But the thing I've learned is these veterans—they don't want to ask for help. They, right. they, they're prideful. They, uh, they got unbelievable stories. And the funny thing is, most of them are helping other people, even though they're going through their own struggles. And that was just—that's what really stuck with my heart is as I met these veterans, it's like, you know, Hey, my world's falling apart, but I'm out there helping somebody else, you know? And, uh, we did a gold star family, very cool family, the Zanowick family live up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, uh, Paul, their son was killed in, in uh, by, by a roadside bomb. And, uh, he was just an unbelievable young man and they're a gold star family. They're just were super, super great people here. They have a fight. Their world's falling apart. Their house yeah. is falling apart. Um, uh, they can't, you know, they, they couldn't keep some of the, the rooms remodeled because they didn't have the money. So uh, we stepped in and did a bunch of projects for them. And I learned so much about this family. While we were there working on their house, they're they're setting up a 5K run to raise money for veterans. And here their world's falling apart. I just, that, that just blew me away that yeah. these veterans are helping other people. And I don't know, it just, it makes you realize that, you know what, there's a bigger mission out there. And that's when it kind of set into my soul and it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I was like, this is my life mission. I, I want to help these people and I want to change the way people look at military service forever. And we're definitely going to tell their story. So that's kind of yeah, where, great. yeah. So that's where the back home, uh, back home just kind of took me to that place where I said, you know, I got to, this is too big of a mission. I got to, I got to go for this and to help these people out. So, so from there, then you and Jim decided you saw the bigger need and how there is. And, and I will tell you, right. So I spent a, from my own a connection to the military world, I, I know that the need you talk about is real and it's more of a practical one, right? It's not like the spas and all that. And I know you mentioned uh, the one veteran has uh, struggles with PTSD and to be clear, I like that you pointed out that it wasn't the PTSD that prevented her from getting her home done and all that. It was when you come back and you're a single parent and you're raising children and time and money are very scarce, right? And so, yes. you know, because she gave so much to our country and in service of others, it was awesome that you went in and stepped in and gave back to somebody who gave so much. And I know from um, kind of being in her after service situation, right? I never served, but struggling sure. to raise the four kids on my own and get this house and this property and the pets and the kids. I, I completely understand how unbelievably overwhelming it can be and how things just start to literally just fall apart. Like doors fall off. I'm like, I can't fix that. Like I got four kids, you know, and oh, it just piles yeah. up and you just get used to like, all right, well, this door has to shove this way. Don't go down those stairs. They're going to break like that kind of thing. Right. And then you get rooked by all the contractors who come in 
And I've had them come in. They've literally come back in my garage and stolen things from me. They have taken money. They've tried to get more money out of me, start a job, didn't finish it. I mean, I have had the gamut of people come in and just wow. take complete advantage of me and stuff not being done because they see the single mom there and you're just so busy. You just take people at your word. Like, okay, look, I, I'm going to go take care of all these other things. Thank you for fixing this. And then you come back and you're, all my tools are stolen and they're gone, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I love that you jump in and do that. And as working as a veteran service officer for a couple of years in my county, I would speak to these families and come in and it would often be an, oh, as an aside, um, you know, now I'm, I need a wheelchair and I can't get up this hallway. I don't have, I, I need a ramp to my house. So many times we would hear people need a ramp to their house uh, yes. and they can't get in and insurance won't pay for it and all this. And what do you do? And so you know, just knowing that there's options out there for these people is huge. Yeah. And so I think that your your problem is not going to be finding families and veterans that need that support. Your challenge is going to be finding funding and time to, oh, yeah. to meet those needs. So are there people, are there ways that people can come forward right now locally in your community and help you with the funding and the time? Yes, to we to do that. Yes, we have Barb. We have people uh, email us all the time. That uh, there's a gentleman here locally in Florence who just uh, not even probably four weeks ago, uh, we paid for his father's funeral because he was a veteran. He was an army guy, and he's in a wheelchair. And uh, his name's Howard. Good, and I see him at Kroger's all the time. And uh, he's an unbelievable patriot, uh, unbelievable soldier. And uh, and he kept saying, Don, you know, could you do my roof on my house? And uh, I said, you know what, uh, we will definitely look at that and see if we can help you out there. Well, in the midst of us setting all that up, his father died. And, um, so his father owned the house, so they were going to lose the house. Oh man. So he, he called me and he was crying. He said, Don, he goes, I don't know what to do. He said, we're going to lose the house. Cause it was in dad's name and dad's no longer with us. And, and he's in Howard's in a wheelchair, so he can't get out of the chair and go fix the roof. So, so anyway, they end up losing the house and he moved into assistant living and it just kind of shows you what some of these veterans go through. And I think he gets minimum amount of money a month from the military. So he said, I can't afford to bury my father. So he said, my father's been sitting in the morgue for about two weeks. And he said, he's on ice. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but he goes, I can't, he goes, I can't, I can't afford to bury him. So I went down to the funeral home and I talked to Don Ketchum, who was a local funeral director. And I said, Don, what can I do to help this gentleman out? I said, you know, Howard's just been a, a really big supporter of our back home TV show. And uh, I said, I want to do something for Howard. I said, he's, he doesn't own the house anymore, so I can't put a roof on it. But I said, what can I do? And uh, believe it or not, he said, hey, I can't help you financially with the funeral. <laughs> he said, the price is the price. He said, but if you want to pay for it, he said, I, you know, of course we can allow you to do that. So well, that was nice of him. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, I understand it's a, it's a business. What you can know. you do for me? Nothing. Yeah. So, uh, I went and t- I talked to Jim Amatoli and, uh, we talked about it and I said, you know what, I'm gonna help this veteran out. So we paid for his father's funeral. Uh, and I, do- I got some guys to help out. I went to some of the local business partners that I have here locally in, the, in our area and, you know, guy gave 500, guy gave a thousand. So great. we put, yeah, so we put the money together and we buried his father and I paid it all to the funeral home and we wrote a check and, uh, and you know what? He went on Facebook and just said all these wonderful things. I told him, I said, Howard, we don't, you don't need to do that. So, but 
he he still goes online every time I post something about back he'll say something wonder you know yeah. but you know what to help him in that way uh, I like I said I get goose I get emotional mm-hmm. about this stuff because if I could do more I would and but you know it takes time money there's a lot of things that come into play to really taking it to the next level and that's what uh, back home Patriots is all about and that's why we created back home Patriots because we felt like we could do more for these soldiers who've given so much and the back home TV show was just a platform to tell the story, but now back home Patriots is going to be the, the vehicle that drives to help these veterans across the country that can't, you know, build that ramp for that lady that can't get, you know, that who served, she can't get up into her house. Uh, I just had a guy call me a good friend of mine, John Saliga. He owns window world franchise here in Cincinnati. John called me uh, two days ago and said, Don, he goes, I got a guy who we helped a couple years ago. We put windows in his house, but now he needs a door opened up because he, he's a double amputee. Yeah. He, he keeps rubbing his stub on the door as he goes out the door. It's only a 32 inch door. He said, I would like to see if you could come in and make it a 36 inch door to where he could get his wheelchair in and out. So I'm supposed to go next week to look at this project. So these are the kind of, they're not big. Sometimes they're not big projects, but no, but they're big to the person. They, they matter, you know, they make that difference. And when you can't get that in four inches, right? What is four inches in yeah. the world, but to somebody, four inches can be the difference between like, you know, recurring pain and stress and trauma every time you slam that in, you know, or not. And so probably like every time he goes through the doors and like, oh my God, this is so nice, <laughs> like, you know, and it's just going to stay with them. And that is, um, well, I like that you point that out. Sorry, that it doesn't have to be huge. You know, the changes you can make and you do what you do and not everybody, you can, one person cannot be all things to all people, right? You, you, Don Riley and Back Home Patriots are never going to be the one-stop fits-all solution to every veteran no. who needs every help. But if everybody jumps in and does their part, if there's like 50 different versions of you in 50 different states, everybody doing what they can, then that's a greater thing. And so do you have plans or are you, is this like, maybe can you see down the road, five, 10, 15 years, are you hoping that maybe other people pick up this um, work and maybe across the country, this is, this is happening? Well, my goal is, and I told Jim this with, when we started this is it would be nice to have partner relationships with contractors in all cities. Yeah. Um, I, I see this as a bigger picture. Like you said, I'm kind of a visionary and I, we always set five to 10 year goals on everything we do, even as a, as a company. And I see this where we could have contractors in different cities that we could partner with and back home Patriots could work with those non, you know, maybe they could have a nonprofit that's their carpenters or window guys or siding guys, and they could help in their local community that we could work together and travel there. And, and as teams go in and, you know, rehab these homes for these veterans, I think it could be much bigger. So yeah, it's always, it can always be, <laughs> I don't know what that was. It can always be bigger, right? It can always grow. <laughs> it can always grow and go. Sorry, we're a lot, we're giggling because I always, whenever something goes awry in the middle of a podcast or catches me off guard, I call it, right? I'm like, they, they, I will call it out. I'm like, oh, do I need to go now? Do you have a commercial? The dog's barking. I can't help it. I'm like, it's real. It's not freaking Fox News, right? Like we get to be people. So I just, I just call it like <laughs> I don't know what that was. It just flashed, but call me a flash. Uh, Okay. One thing I did want to say is um, a lot of people asked me, they said, why did you, why did you start 
you know, back home, the TV show and people thought, well, Don Riley wants to be a star. So, you know, you know, you get, you know, when you're doing something good, there's always yeah. that negative person that wants to bring you down. So, and I just want to set the, the, the record okay. straight. It wasn't about me being a star. Um, now do I like being a host of a show? Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. It was fun because I get to tell these veterans stories. I get yeah. more fun. That was the joy of it. But you know, the thing is the, the platform for the TV show was just to, for a broader audience. Um, and most people don't realize this, but we actually connected with Litton Entertainment uh, out of LA due to uh, Jim being a movie producer. Uh, most people don't know this, but Jim produced two major motion pictures here in Cincinnati. He was the first guy to to get the tax credit in Cincinnati. Awesome. Uh, so uh, his platform and having the relationships he had out in LA brought us to uh, UTA, which uh, United Talency Agents out of LA, and we connected through them with Litton Entertainment. If you know anything about Litton, that's Hearst Productions. Hearst actually was the one that produced Extreme Home Makeover, you know, and all that. So uh, they're a very, very big outfit. And so we had a major sponsor on board. Uh, and just to tell you our struggles, we've been, yeah. we've, been, we've been down this road for about two years now trying to produce this show. Um, and we were at the dance floor ready to produce this thing. And the gentleman from uh, one of our sponsors uh, resigns right in the middle of our uh, transaction with this, you know, with this major uh, company who was going to back us for this TV show. Oh, man. Uh, so he resigns. Uh, and I'm not, I guess I could tell you it's a uh, U.S. bank was okay. the, was the sponsor. And uh, so the gentleman, there's a, pr there's a program through U.S. bank called proud to serve. If you don't know about it, you probably go on their website. Okay. They're a big organization. Um, and the gentleman who ran that uh, was was basically driving the bus for us. And you know, corporate America, when you got an inside guy, that's always a good thing. And he was really helping us because uh, he cared about veterans and he wanted to uh, to help us to to make that platform bigger. So we could tell these stories of these soldiers because a lot of everyday people, you know, we live our lives, and I can I can always relate because I lived my life and didn't think about veterans for years, right. and we just go about our daily, you know taking the kids to school and doing all these things and buying groceries and paying mortgages. And, yep. and when you really sit down and you think about the freedoms we have, and I get so aggravated when people say that freedom's not, you know, that, that it's not free, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just, I look at people and I go, uh, freedom's not free. There's somebody who sacrificed their life. So you yeah. could go to, get in your car and turn the key every morning and go to work. So, and I don't think the average person thinks about that. And, uh, I don't, I, how do you feel about that? I, I just, you know, I, I look at that and I think, yeah. how can I make a difference, but also how can I can change someone's thinking on that process? So, yeah, it is, it is a tough one, right? Like I plead guilty to that before I had a husband who was in the military I didn't really think much about it too, but it was also a difference in pre 9-11 and post 9-11, right? Like yes. I, I, I was raised not in a time of official war, right? Or conflict or known sure. war, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so post 9-11, it is a little more frustrating to see when people like just dismiss it. And for me, like on Memorial Day, somebody's like, you know, just celebrating and not really taking time to reflect. I mean, Memorial Day is the last day I saw my husband. He deployed that day. He died 10 days later. And so it's like powerful for me too. And for years, it can make me angry and I would be like a little self-righteous about it and indignant, but you know, what does that do, right? And so I think you just have to understand that when 
for me anyway, when I see people just going about their business and enjoying their life and getting their hustle bustle, I mean, that is exactly what people serve for so that the average person doesn't have to think about that, right? Like we're here, we're serving, we're defending, we're doing this so that you don't have to think about it. You know, you go. So I think that's something they take upon themselves and most people you know, they don't need the, it's nice. It's nice. And you don't want to see that abuse. So there's a difference between people going out about like with happiness and gratefulness in the hearts and going about their lives and their business and people who just abuse it or don't take advantage of it and complain and do all that. So I think there's the two sides when you see people going about their lives and doing well and prosperous and, you know, being kind to their neighbors and their community, giving back, but not necessarily thinking about the veterans. That's one thing. When you see people who are you know, abusing the system, complaining about it, not adding value to it and like miserable about it. And then uh, even further, like like demeaning the military and their efforts. That's the other side. So, you know, it's a fine line to walk. It's a fine line, but it's uh, it's just the way it is. You know, it's some people you're going to be able to open up and educate and they want to get involved. And some people are just never going to care. And I think, you got to do what you can and focus on the, on what you can and the people you can reach and touch and understand that you're not going to reach and touch everyone. And maybe, you know, maybe that's just the way it's meant to be. We need the, we need the blend to keep it interesting. It's like my mom used to say, what makes me smart to know when I'm dumb. So yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, so how did you do all this? You have a big family. I have four boys. You have four children of your own, but they're not boys. How do you- <laughs> uh, four girls, four girls. And so uh, talk about family. You have a, I, I mentioned in the top of the show, you know, you have this heartwarming story. I love it. It's very moving. Um, it, so I'm not even going to like lead you with questions. I'm going to just gonna ask you to do what you do best and jump right in and tell the whole, <laughs> tell the whole thing, Don. Yeah. Take it All away. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, me and my wife, Cindy, uh, we got married about 14 years ago and, um, and my wife, uh, she's a nutritionist. Um, and so she graduated college. Uh, I was running a business and she come home one day and said, uh, I, I rented a movie for us. And I said, okay, what'd you get? She goes, I got the blind side. And I said, oh, okay, we'll watch it tonight. So, uh, so we're sitting there watching this movie, you know, and it's pulling on my heartstrings the whole time I'm watching the, you know, Sandra Bullock with this football player, he's six foot six and he's African American. And, and I'm like, how and I mean it still gives me goosebumps thinking how cool is this this lady took this boy in her house and so we just get to talking she goes uh I think because we've been trying to have children we couldn't have children and so she said maybe we can foster and I said uh well check into it and so she checked into it and she comes home she goes well next week we got a meeting we're going to do CPR (laughs) classes we're we're going to we're going to Holly Hill uh which is the agency we went through here locally in northern Kentucky and so long story short, if you know anything about the adoption agencies out there today, uh, today it's a lot harder than it was when me and Cindy did it. Like you would, you would go and you would take CPR classes, you go through the classes. Uh, they teach you CPR on small children. You know, I learned how to use two fingers, you know, you know, so I mean, all these things that you don't know cause you don't have children right. and they educate you. Well, then they place you in a room with children, uh, and you interact with these children and they kind of take their notes and, and then they say, okay, you're ready for placement. And they start placing these kids with you for weeks at a time. So we went through probably about four or five sets of kids. Uh, and I got to tell you this funny story. It's just, it's funny. So my wife decides the first set of kids we're going to get are four African-American babies. 
and they were the prettiest thing you ever laid eyes on. They were just beautiful kids, but they were very rambunctious. They were jumped around. They, you know, so I said, you sure you want to do this? And she said, absolutely. Let's do it. So I go out and buy four car seats. I put them in my SUV. <laughs> we meet the social worker at McDonald's in Union, Kentucky. I get out. My heart kind of drops to my feet because I'm looking at these four African-American babies going, oh, my gosh, we're getting ready to take these kids home. <laughs> you know? So so we take the kids home. My wife's still working at Jewish Hospital as a nutritionist at that time. I'm running my company. And I'm thinking, how are we going to fit all this into our you know, busy lives? So my wife says, don't worry, Don, we got this, you know. So the funny part of the story, I won't tell you the whole story, but I'll cut it short here. But so I go to work the next day. I say, you sure you're OK to stay home with these babies? She how said, old were they? Uh, we had a six month old, a one year old, two year old and uh, four-year-old. So, yeah, I mean, they're I've been, little, I've been right there. Yes. Yeah, yes. So you can relate, you can yes. relate. Um, so, so we get these kids home and, uh, you know, and we put them to bed. I go to work the next morning. She says, I'm, I'm good. I can take care. You go to work, do your thing. So about noon, I get a phone call and she says, she's crying. She's done. Yeah. Come home. <laughs> she goes, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I was like, what's wrong? She goes, I can't do everything. It. Yeah. yeah. So I, I walk in and the kids are jumping, you know, the older ones are jumping around on the bed and she's in the, what's got the baby feeding the baby. So I said, what do you want me to do? She goes, call Bree. Bree was our social worker. And I said, she goes, I said, I called Bree up and I said, Bree, I said, unfortunately, I think this is going to be too much for us. I said, you know, be, she goes, I told you guys this, you know, four kids first time. So she said, no problem. So they came back and picked the kids up. And of course, you know, they went back to the foster agency and of course they ended up getting placed with another family who eventually adopted them. It was a great story. Uh, so, but we learned our lesson. We don't, you don't take four kids on the first time you're fostering. So any parents out there looking to be foster parents, you know, maybe, maybe stick with one. With four, yeah, exactly. Four. So, uh, but long story short, we, uh, so we went through two or three sets of kids after that. And here's the thing about fostering. You've got to be a very patient person because these kids come with a lot of struggles. I mean, yeah. uh, um, so we took these kids and we just loved them unconditionally. And the thing that's really cool about fostering is you see the change in them as they go, you know, but the bad part about it is all the judge has to do is hit his gaffle and say the kids are going back to the foster parents, well, you know, are the, the original the parents. Yeah, they're the actual parents. Uh, maybe the, the parent got sober for six months or a year and got out right. of rehab. So we kept going through this process. So it was really weighing on us heavily. So me and my wife sit down and we said, we want to make a decision here. Uh, we're either going to, you know, find foster kids that are foster to adopt. Right. Or we're, or we're going to keep fostering. And we made the decision to write Holly Hill a letter and we wrote them a two page letter. My wife wrote it all up. It was a real nice letter and said, Hey, we appreciate what you guys have done for us. These kids have changed our lives, but we want to foster to adopt. And so we sent it in and we got a call immediately from, from Bree, our social worker. And she said, you know, you guys are in luck. She goes, I know you guys have been through a lot. Like we get these kids, love them. And then they got to go back and get the kids, love them. They got to go back. So we did that four times, Wow. even, you know, even with the four babies we had. So that was the first set of, of kids that we had. And, uh, so we went through, a uh, Bradley and Cooper, they were, uh, teenage boys that we had. We had a sibling group of three, which is two girls and a boy. And uh, I had little Justin, which he was so cool. He'd wake up on Saturday morning and rest. He liked wrestling. So we'd watch wrestling together, you know, and he called uh-huh. me dad. So, you know, you're changing oh, these wow. kids lives, yeah. and you start loving them. And all of a sudden, 
you get a knock on the door, hey, their mom's out of rehab and she wants her kids back. And of course, there's nothing you can do about it. So, so once we wrote the letter and so Bree calls us and she says, she says, we have a sibling group of six children. She goes, we got three girls. Uh, I'm sorry. There was um, five girls and one boy, Damien of all the boys. His name was Damien. So, so she says, we're going to, we're going to see if you guys want to meet the three girls. And so we're like, yeah, sure. So we go to Holly Hill, we meet them. We of course fall in love with them. Um, and they're just beautiful little girls. So they said their mom has lost her parental rights and she has given up, you know, custody of these three children. So that's going to be happening really fast. So would you be interested in foster? He said, give us a day to think about it um, and we'll get back with you. So we went home and of course prayed about it. And I, I, I told God, I said, if these kids are meant to be in my life, then it's going to happen. And so we woke up the next morning and Cindy's like, we're going to get those kids. You know, <laughs> so, so we went and picked them up uh, a couple days later and they came home, stayed with us for probably about six months. Uh, and the mom she was having a lot of emotional problems, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, calling Holly Hill and saying, I want my kids back because the date was coming up for her to ha- lose her parental rights. And so we really, really struggled with that. And so the other three foster kids, which is really cool that, uh, in the, we're in the group, they got fostered by another family who were Nancy and her husband who are friends with us today. So the awesome. cool thing is we've got to keep these kids together, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, Long story short, uh, my girls today are 8, 10, and 13. So uh, Ariel, which is our, we got her when she was two, and Ariel's eight now. So uh, um, uh, Marissa is 10 years old, and then Caitlin just turned 13. So we've had them for about six or seven years. They are Riley girls now. So if you see my post on Facebook. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, So uh, we've just, these girls have just been a blessing to us. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And, and you could probably heard Jim in the background. He said, then what happened? So my wife gets pregnant with our fourth child, which is Adriana, which is our five-year-old now. So, so she comes in on Valentine's day and says, Don, I'm pregnant. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. So, <laughs> so, so all of a sudden I go for all my friends are like, Don, you went from 0.60 to in 2.3 seconds with children. So, you know, cause it would just to be me and my wife and the dog. Now it's yeah. me, my wife, the dog and four kids. So uh, but you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, and Adriana, my youngest, I can't imagine her living life today without the other three girls being right. in her life. And God always has a plan. And that's what I always yep. said is, you know, it's, it's amazing. He was just holding back on Adriana <laughs> until you yeah. got her sisters in place. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> so it's amazing. So I, I that's great. I, yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad that I got to share that story with you. So I yeah. love it. I love it. I feel like maybe Dave can relate, right? He had, he has, you know, he's divorced and he's got his two young children and that was like fairly consistent life. Then he comes into my world. He's got four more kids, four more dogs, horses, cats, dogs, his friends, his friends are like, Oh my God, Dave, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Right? <laughs> God, had a other- different, God had a different plan. Yeah, absolutely. The whole That's other awesome. conversation, he went from like, you know, fairly structured to just you know, mayhem, my, our world is mayhem, but it works for us. But I see how, right. It works. Like, so it doesn't have to be completely according to one plan and structured and all that. You got to just be open to, uh, I mean, four kids, that's a lot. I mean, there are a lot of people that have a lot of kids, right? So, but four kids, it's a lot, it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to stay on top of. It's a lot to be there and feel like you're trying to be that person for all the kids. And then on top of that, 
you're starting one company after another, yeah. starting the nonprofit. So you are a busy, busy man. Well, my my wife's asked me if I ever sleep. She says, "Do you ever sleep?" Because <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's get up at six thirty, get the kids on the bus. You know, uh, my I give my wife the credit though because she stays home with the kids all day. She doesn't work at Jewish Hospital anymore as a as a nutritionist. So when we adopted the kids, she kind of gave that up. So the real work starts at home. I always right. say, you know, my wife is I call her the she's the one that does the heavy lifting because. Uh, you know, I go out here and deal with people all day and she's home dealing with the kids. So I, I admire that she, you know, has that kind of patience because sometimes I pull my hair out what little bit mm-hmm. I got left. You know? so, so, but she can stay home and she has the patience. And I think that's why God creates women is because they have that, that, that nurturing and, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's, but she is just uh, a trooper when it comes to dealing with the kids every day, because she just, and you know, you got kids. It's, it's a job. I mean, people don't realize it's a job. Yes. It's it, a lot of work. So it's a job. I used to set up you know, my husband was deployed a lot, you know, first he was a teacher and he coached and he was after school activities. So, you know, like I'd have all these kids at home. Plus I was working in a real estate job, but I would, uh, you know, you got four kids. And in the early time, when you start early in your twenties, the money was an issue, right? So four kids, you got to keep them entertained. I would set up like obstacle courses, like put shoes in a line and have the coffee table be one thing. And then they'd hide under the cat. Like you just got to, like, you just have romper room in your house. And sometimes you sit back and you're like, like what, what happened to me? You can kind of feel swallowed up. Right. And, and absorb, but it's good. It's good. And I'm glad that you all found that, you know, you all to be that family and to be so grateful for it and to love it and embrace it. I think it's a gift and yep. you guys, you guys got it going on the Riley, the Riley girls, the Riley family. It's a good, it's a good fix. Well, I always say charity starts at home and yeah. uh, you know, and I'm, I'm just blessed that God gave me children because I never growing up, I never thought I'd have children. And, you know, I just, I, I thank God every day. I'm like, I got four beautiful girls. And, and the funny thing is I lost my mom about four years ago. She died of cancer. And uh, my mom always wore this little necklace and it said no fear on it. I still got it at my house and I saved it when she passed away. And uh, the only, my biggest regret in life is that my mom never got to lay eyes on my children because she passed away, of course, before we adopted the girls and and had, had Adriana, but that's my biggest regret in life. And, uh, but it's funny. I was, uh, and I'll tell you this story. It's, it's kind of a moving story, but my mom told me before my daughter was born, uh, when she was still alive, she said, Don, she goes, you she goes, I just see you having a baby. And she goes, you're going to pull this baby out. And it's going to have these big blue eyes with these big eyelashes. And I'd say, mom, you're crazy. <laughs> so when Adriana was born, uh, the doctor was, when she came out, I looked down at her and she had these big blue eyes and big eyelashes and my mom, just everything hit me right there. I was like, wow, my mom was right. You know, my mom kind of, God gave her that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, that vision of it. And it just, it was amazing. I was like, here, here my mom was right. She's seen it before I seen it. So so it's just been a blessing. It really has. So I love it. That's great. That's great. So American snippets started largely because we realized that we did still have that American dream within us. We realized it's alive and well, and we got really frustrated and upset that people continue to say it's dead. It's gone. It's buried. This country is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. So sure. we think the American dream is alive. It's well, it's flourishing, but it just means something different to everybody. And it's finding that 
version of that within yourself. So I'd like to ask you, when I say the word, you know, the words, the American dream, what does the American dream mean to you? Well, I see the American dream being peace and harmony with folks uh, just in the world. Um, I know we got so much turmoil out there today. Uh, I hate that we have so much division between people. And I think at the end of the day, um, I think the American dream, you know, it's all what you create in your head. But in my head, I create harmony and peace with people. And I believe I've always been a giver. So I believe in giving because one of the things that my mother always taught me, if you give, you get back tenfold. And I think uh, that is my that's my American dream is just that we have peace and harmony with folks out there and, uh, and everybody can just get along and, you know, and basically we could all grow together. Um, and I just, and I think the fact of, if you're not helping other people, uh, get up out of the chair, get out, turn the TV off and get out there and do something for your community, uh, help folks. Uh, there's a lot of hurting people out there. And I think, uh, if we all just do a small part, uh, we can change the world. There's no doubt about it. So awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. I'm so glad we got to, to meet you and I'm excited that we get to share your story and we will follow up with your story. If anybody has questions, they can get in touch with us. We'll send them to you or they can go directly to you, but we're happy to serve as a conduit in between. And we're looking forward to linking you up with so many of the other amazing people that we have featured and the organizations they have. There's a lot of continuity here, a lot of synergy here. So we're excited. To well, and I want to, and I want to thank you guys for what you do. Uh, you know, at, when I met you guys, I just seen your, your spirit, your drive, your energy, and I think that's why we kind of connected and yeah. I, I just see you guys are doing great things and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited what the future holds for the both of us. So I'm, I'm thank you guys for having me on today. It was, it's been an awesome time. So thank you. Great. Thank you. All right. There you have it, everyone. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Don Riley for being here as well and sharing his story, telling us about his TV show and his new nonprofit, Back Home Patriots. If you want to learn more about Don Riley and Back Home Patriots, just go to our website, americansnippets.com forward slash 101. You can watch the full video interview. We have a nice uh, featured article that we do on Don. Uh, and we also include some social media links there as well. So you can follow Don and Back Home Patriots. You can also donate to their new nonprofit, which we would really encourage you to do. He's doing amazing things for our veterans, and we would love to see our listening audience uh, get behind this nonprofit and support him. And if you got any value out of today's episode or any shows that we've done in the past, please share this with a friend. Share it on social media and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. iTunes reviews go a really long way in helping us get these stories out there in front of more people so we could really use your support. All you have to do is head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or even on your favorite podcast app and subscribe leave us a review, let us know what you think, and help us spread the word. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week. <music>